Well, good morning, and if I haven't already, let me wish you a very happy Christmas. Um, it's good to see some of you here in person, and to those at home as well, um, we do give you a welcome. Are we all set up at the back? Can they hear me at home? Okay. It's frozen, so we'll give it a second, so we don't want you to miss out. Okay, we're good again. Um, the verses for the, for the year for 2021 um, have arrived, the memory verses. Um, it's, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. John 15, verse 16. And John's going to be preaching on that verse next Sunday morning. This week, um, we've got the prayer meeting, um, which will be on, on Zoom. It's at 7.45 on Tuesday. It's just to, to pray. When I say just to pray, I, I don't mean just pray. We mean there'll be no Bible study. It'll be prayer. Um, 7.45 to 8.30. And John will be leading that. I really missed having an in-person Christmas Day service. Um, I love kind of the back and forwards of of Christmas Day. So what I've done this, this, year, this year, I've got to make sure I've got, today I've got my new Christmas socks on, and I've got my new Christmas shirt on. I would have my new Christmas watch on, but when it arrived, Liz had bought me a ladies watch. Um, so that'll be, a, my new one will be a Tuesday. Um, has anyone else got anything new today? I could, Kevin's got the same coat as his dad. He got a new coat for Christmas. And it looks like Sophie and Alice have got new dresses and new teddy bears. And they've got a new dolly. Oh, no, it's not a dolly. It's a baby. They've got a, ba a new baby sister. And we we it, probably enjoying at home, aren't you, your, your new stuff. Uh, I wish you were here to, to show me your toys, kids, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we're hoping you're having a lovely uh, and restful, even if it's a bit of a different Christmas. We're going to sing our first song of the morning. We're going to sing carols this morning. Um, just to remind you the way that the singing goes, we're not allowed to sing as we normally would to stand up and belt them out. Um, but you can, you can sing in your talking voice underneath your mask. Um, so feel free to do that. We're going to sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King.
for your great love towards us. We thank you for all that you have done in this world. We have to wrap our heads around the fact that the baby in the manger at the same time as depending on his mum was upholding the universe. We have to think that this baby in the manger would be the one who would crush Satan and rescue us. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that he wasn't cheap. He didn't just come in on a, a rescue mission and do his job and get out. He lived, he learned obedience, he submitted himself fully to what it means to be human. And yet he did it as fully God. We thank you for these mysteries. We thank you that because Jesus lived the perfect human life, that those of us who have lived sinful human lives can be forgiven. We can look to his death in our place. And so we thank you for the great hope we have that, that begun at Christmas. Father, we pray for our country at this time. As restrictions are getting tighter, um, it just doesn't seem that this is coming to an end. We've come to the end of 2020 for what a lot of people has been a horrible year. We've seen so many restrictions on our social life and we haven't been able to connect with people, which has been difficult. So many businesses have struggled or gone under. We think, Lord, of those that have lost loved ones, husbands and wives and even children this year, as they face a first Christmas without them. We think of those people who live in homes where there's abuse and now they're shut in with the people who they try and get away from. Lord, we, we live in such a messed up world. And even in your common grace, we, we thank you that there is rest and, and strength and help for these people. But we do pray that you would introduce them to Jesus you would put Christians in the path that you'd help us to be compassionate and, and winsome with people. Father, for us as a church, we thank you for this year because we've been able to proclaim your word every week, meet for prayer every week. We know, that's, we know being a church is far more than that and we want to be far more than that, but we thank you for what we have been able to do. And we do pray that next year we would see some breakthroughs that we'd be able to meet together properly that, that things would get back to normal in a sense in the country but that as a church you would build us up you would give us great unity uh, as we seek to to live out your gospel in this area that you would add to us Lord that you'd save people and that you'd build Christians up have mercy on us, Lord. And Lord, as we come to your word in a, in a short while, 
speak to us, change us. Save people who need saving. Give, give others assurance and, and joy in knowing that the Jesus that, that Simeon saw, that we have seen as well. So bless us as we come under your word this morning. Speak to us by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll turn, if you've got your Bibles, or um, it might be on the screen, I don't know. It might not be. But we're looking at Luke chapter 2 this morning. Um, throughout December, on the Sunday mornings, we've been looking at the, the three songs of Christmas. There's more than three songs. Um, John, um, I don't know whether he did it on Christmas Eve. I know he was going to look at one of the angel songs as well. But we've, we, there's three main songs. There's the song of um, Zacharias, there's the song of Mary, and this morning we're looking at the final song of Christmas, the song of Simeon. And so we're going to read from Luke chapter 2, verse 22 through to verse 35. I'll just pick it up in verse 21. When eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Amen. Before we look at that passage together, we're going to sing once more, O Little Town of Bethlehem.
just while our musicians are settling down. Um, a reminder that tonight, we're online only tonight, but Steve's speaking, and that'll be live from six o'clock. So please log in for that, six o'clock this evening. As we said, we're looking at the final of our Advent songs this morning. We're looking at Simeon's song, uh, the, the, the song that comes after the birth of Jesus. I love this song because it's so rich. We know that Luke used eyewitness accounts, don't we? We're told at the beginning of Luke that these are uh, the, the, the eyewitness accounts that Luke gathered in. And you think, well, where did Luke get all this detail of this intimate temple visit because Luke wasn't there. And you can imagine Luke, can't you, sat with, this is how I imagine, I imagine Luke and he sat there with a Mary, Mary's maybe in her 60s and he's got his pen in his hand writing as fast as he can and he's, tell me what happened Mary and she's recounting all that she can remember vividly and say, well it went like this Luke. There were two important customs for baby boys who were born to Jewish parents. The first one was circumcision. So after eight days, the, the child gets circumcised, and, and in that, they're, they're being identified as the covenant people of God. And then after about five weeks, they have what's called, it's called a time of purification. After a time of purification for the, for the mother, we read that in verse 22, that the children are taken to the temple, or the firstborn's taken to the temple. Um, it's, it, I suppose it's like our dedication service in some ways. But a sacrifice is made to the Lord. And the principle is this, that the first fruit, the first child, is dedicated to God. It's, it's a reminder that, that God has a claim on the life. And so after eight days passed from Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph presenting for circumcision, that in itself is humbling, isn't it? Why did Jesus have to be circumcised? Well, it was part of Jesus' beginning. It was the, the beginning of Jesus' life of obedience. Even at this early stage, Jesus is humbling himself. He's born under the law to redeem those under the law. And so he, he subjects himself to the law. Jesus doesn't just parachute in, save his people, get airlifted out. He was going to live a real life. He was going to live a life of perfect devotion to God. He was going to keep every law and every rule. And so Jesus' circumcision at eight days old, that's, that marks the beginning of a whole life where he fulfilled every aspect of God's law. He identified with Jesus' people. He took part in all the things they took part in. The level, when you look at it, the level of Jesus' obedience through his life is stunning. And then after these five weeks, after Mary's purification, they, they, they go to the, the temple to dedicate the baby to God. Can you picture Mary and Joseph and the, the, the young, they're only teenagers. They're, they're in awe. They probably don't even know the way around the temple. Where do we go? Who do we ask for? What do we do? But, but faithfully, they're bringing their baby the best they can before God. And they were poor. It's an interesting little detail in verse 24 um, that they bring a pair of pigeons as their offering instead of a lamb. So in, in Leviticus 12, it talks about when you present your, your, your sacrifice to the Lord, you bring a lamb. But if you're poor and you can't afford it, bring a pigeon. 
Well, Mary and Joseph bring a couple of pigeons because they can't afford a lamb, the poor. The nobodies, aren't they? I don't think anyone would have been looking at them in, in, in amazement at how grand they are. And as they bring Jesus to the temple they dedi- to dedicate him, they meet this bloke called Simeon. And Simeon's a nobody as well. The temple's this massive complex. We can't get our, our heads around how big it is. It's a huge complex, the temple. And Simeon wasn't a priest. They're not bringing him you know, to, to Simeon as the priest to, to bless Jesus. Simeon, Simeon wasn't the bloke who did dedications. He probably just met Mary and Joseph in the, in the courts of the temple as the, as the milling around. You'd think, wouldn't you, that King Jesus would be blessed by the high priest and there'd be a huge ceremony, but he's not because Jesus isn't into celebrity. He's into normal people. And Simeon's a normal person who's devoted to God. We're told that, that Simeon was a just and devout man in verse 25. We're told he was waiting uh, for the consolation of Israel. We looked at that on Christmas Day from Isaiah 9. He was waiting for the, the saviour that God had promised. And he'd received this unusual promise from the Holy Spirit that, Simeon, before you die, you'll meet the Christ. And and as he sees Jesus, Simeon knows that he's the one. And and he takes him in his arms and he he prophesies and and basically says, I'm ready to die. And he he sings a song. And this is what I want to look at for the rest of our time together. Simeon was ready to die because he met Jesus. Jesus. And the question comes, are we ready to die? That's what this song's asking us, I think, at its core this morning. Are we ready to die? Have we met Jesus and are we ready to die? Well, Simeon was ready to die because he'd met Jesus. So let's read Simeon's words again, and then we're going to pick four truths. We're going to pick up four truths that Simeon sings about Jesus. Let's read from verse 28. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So here's Simeon and you've got a picture of him. He's in the temple courts holding the baby Jesus. You think, what, what would he have felt? Well, he puts his feelings into song. And here's the first thing that Simeon's song teaches us from verse 30. Jesus saves. What does it mean to be saved? Well, it's ever so simple, isn't it? It means to be rescued. You know, you're stuck on a mountain and the mountain rescue come and you say, oh, I'm saved. You know, you're in an abusive relationship or an abusive home and someone comes and they take you out of that situation and they, and they put you somewhere safe and you say, oh, I've been saved. Well, we need saving. 
We need rescuing. What, what do we need rescuing from? When, when the Bible talks about being saved, what are we being saved from? Well, actually, we're being saved from God. We're being saved from God's wrath. That's the biggest thing we're being saved from. All of humanity are sinners. Sin isn't something we do. We know this, don't we? Sin isn't something that we do. Sin is something that we are. We've all, we, we were born sinners. We, we've got sin in us. We've all willfully broken God's commandments. We've all willfully broken the first commandment to love him with all our hearts. We've all broken the commandments to love other people as ourselves. We've all sinned against a holy God and a perfect God and our sin makes us objects of God's wrath. And all of us are guilty. You know, even just thinking of your past 24 hours. We've all lived in God's world. We've not loved God as we should. We've sought to be masters of our own life. By nature, we're under God's righteous wrath. And the penalty for our sins, death. And after we die, we go to eternal hell. And we're separated from God's love. And we're under God's eternal punishment in hell. And if you haven't come to Jesus, that's what you're under now. You're under God's wrath. Your biggest enemy isn't the devil. Your biggest enemy isn't your sin, although they are to a degree. Your biggest enemy is God. And if you die without being right with God, you'll be under God's conscious eternal wrath. And that's what we all deserve. When we talk about hell sometimes, we talk about hell, or we'll be away from God for all eternity. You won't be away from God for all eternity. You'll be in the presence of his wrath for all eternity. We need saving from God. Someone once said it like this. We're saved from God, by God, to God. We need saving from God's wrath. We need saving from our sin. We need our sin paying for him and taken away. That's our greatest need this morning. To have our sin paid and to be saved. And as Simeon looks at this little baby, five-week-old baby, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He sees it all in a baby. I read something from Spurgeon yesterday. Spurgeon said, those little feet in the manger shall tread on the serpent's neck and crush its head. Simeon saw that. And what does Simeon mean when he says that? Well, Simeon's showing us that, that, that we don't get saved by what we do or who we are. We get saved by simply looking at Jesus. Being saved in a process that we undergo. You know, you don't, <laughs> we do start a journey towards being a Christian, I get that. But we, we don't kind of have a journey towards Christ, as in, you know, where we do some penance first, we come to church for a bit, uh, we clean up our act first, we'll say our prayers, we'll, 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 we'll try and get our, our life in order first. No, we don't do that. We get right with God by looking to Jesus. We get right with God by looking at what Jesus did in his perfect life. We, look, we get right with God by looking at Jesus' death on the cross. We get right with God by looking at Jesus' resurrection, and we trust in those things. Salvation isn't kind of a process that we go through. Salvation is a person. That's why Jesus' name means salvation. We don't get saved by doing things. We get saved by turning to Jesus. How do we get to heaven? Jesus says, well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. 
And as Simeon sees this five-week-old baby, he says, here's the one that's going to save us from our sin. If you want to be saved this morning, if you want to be right with God, if you want to have your sins forgiven, if you want to go to heaven, all you need to do, but you must do, is come to a person. You come to Jesus. You trust in all that he did for you. Don't try and clean your act up first. Come to Jesus and he'll help you clean your act up. We've all broken God's law. Jesus has kept it in our place. And what Simeon would have been able to foresee is that at the end of Jesus' perfect life, he, he, he goes to the cross, he suffers the punishment that our sin deserves, and he rises again as proof that the price has been paid. The only way we can be saved this morning and right with God is through looking to Jesus as your saviour. And that's what Simeon does. He looks at Jesus and he says, I've seen God's salvation. Second thing that the song teaches us, as Simeon sings it in verse 31 to 32, Jesus saves all sorts of people. We saw that mixed up in my services. We saw it in the, in the nativity, didn't we? Jesus saves all sorts of people. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The saviour that, that Simeon sees is the one that's been prepared for all people. He's actually referring in these verses, he's referring back to Isaiah 9, which is the passage we looked at on Christmas Day. And what, I, what Simeon's teaching us in this song is being saved, being a Christian, being right with God, it's not just for a privileged few. It's not just for those who look right. It's not just for those, you know, a certain type of person. Sometimes we look at our churches and we'd think, well, it's only for certain types of people because it's only certain types of people that's in them. But that's not who Jesus came for. He came for all types of people. Jesus would bring light, Simeon says, to the Gentiles. Jesus had come to the outsiders. Doesn't mean he'd abandon the Jews because he said it will be their glory as well. You see what Simeon's saying? Simeon's saying that in Jesus, God's salvation, the way to be right with God has come. He was born in a time and a place. He was Jewish. He came to save Jewish people. He'd be their glorious fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies that God had made. But he'd also be a light to the Gentiles. In Jesus, God is offering salvation, peace with God, heaven, to every type of person. That's what made the Jews furious at this time. They didn't want outsiders saving. They didn't want tax collectors. They didn't want prostitutes. They didn't want sinners. They didn't want non-pure people as they saw it saving. But that's who Jesus is. Jesus can and will and did come to save anyone who will come to him. Good people, bad people, moral people, immoral people. Rich people, poor people, black people, white people, religious people, atheist people. People who, if you look at their life, have got a great CV of things they've done and achievements. And also people who, who, who when you look at their life, there's deep shame because they've lived a terrible life. Jesus has come to bring salvation to them. Is Jesus is the only saviour. He can save all types of people who look to him, no matter what you are, what your background is, what you're doing. You can never be good enough for Jesus, but you can never be too bad for him either. If we turn to him, he'll save us from our sin. And Simeon saw all this in a baby. 
Third thing Simeon sings is because of Jesus you can die in peace. Isn't it stunning that, you know, we've, we've done this the, the wrong way around if you like, but isn't it stunning that when Simeon meets Jesus, the first thing he says is, I can now die in peace. The first thing Simeon says when he sees Jesus is, I'm ready to die. The first emotion Simeon has when he meets Jesus is, I'm ready to die. Well, that's a reality when you become a Christian, isn't it? When you become a Christian, the first thing that happens is you're ready to die. doesn't mean you start to look forward to death in some kind of morbid way, but you're ready to die because you've got peace with God. You're forgiven. You're ready, if need be, to meet God. It would be terrifying to meet God without Jesus. But when you've seen Jesus, when you've, when you've come to Jesus as your saviour, you think, well, I'm not, I don't fancy dying, but I'm ready to meet God. Does that describe you this morning or not? Are you ready to meet God? Do you know your sins are forgiven or, 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 you, or you don't? Do you have peace with God? When he says, I can die in peace, having peace with God isn't about having a peaceful life. Lots of Christians have a mega stressful life. Having peace with God is, is knowing that you're right with Him. It's knowing that your sins are forgiven through Jesus. Some people have got everything in this world, but they haven't got any peace in the soul. They've got peaceful lives, but not a peaceful soul. When you're a Christian, you might still have the stress of, how can I pay this bill? How can I recover from this illness? What about my kids? My kids are this and that, and I'm worried about them. But there's a peace that comes because you know Jesus as your saviour and you know despite all the madness that, that you're ready to die. I can be an idiot and I, and I, I, I grieve at, at my frustrating traits and my frustrating sins. And they wind me up every day. I get, I get annoyed at myself. But I'm 100% ready to die. I don't fear what comes after death. Hand on heart, I don't. I don't fancy the dying bit. I'm not looking forward to that. But death's not a problem for me. Because I'm right with God through Jesus. And Simeon's first reaction when he sees you is the first thing that should come to us when, we, when we've met Jesus, I can, I can die now. Because Simeon's met Jesus, he's ready to die. He's seen Jesus as the saviour. He's seen there is a saviour for all sorts of people. And once he's seen him, I'm, I'm ready to die. And the fourth and the final thing that, that Simeon's song teaches as well, it's, not, it's actually not Simeon's song, he says it after the song, is that Jesus will divide history. We see it in verse 34 to 35. After Simeon's finished singing, he blesses Jesus and he says something really strange to Mary. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. It seems a bit rough, doesn't it? Seems, you know, what, why is Simeon saying this? What's he, what's he doing? Is he giving Mary something to worry about? Well, Simeon's saying this, look, this saviour who's come to bring salvation to all types of people will actually divide mankind. 
because Jesus' claims are so unique, Jesus will be and has been and is the most polarizing person in history. You can't sit on the fence with Jesus. It's true, isn't it? Jesus is the most divisive person in history. You've got people who take the Bible and who love it and who see the Bible as precious and you've got people who hate the Bible and mock it and are ruthless. You've got people who see Jesus as lovely and who love him and they've read the same Bible and then people who've read the same Bible like you, Stephen Fry's and you, Richard Dawkins and them, they hate the same Jesus with a passion. People who look at the same person, read the same things, but, but have polarizing views. Simeon says Jesus is a sign that will be spoken against. It will divide history. The whole of history will be divided based on our accept, acceptance or rejection of Jesus. And it doesn't have to be violent opposition, it can be passive. People don't have to say, I hate you, Jesus. It can be simple as, no thanks, it's not for me. It can be simple as, I haven't made my mind up about Jesus. Well, if you haven't made your mind up, you have made your mind up. We can't sit on the fence with Jesus. You're either all in or you're nothing. And so Simeon says the salvation that Jesus brings will divide history. We don't have to be convinced of that, do we? We see it. If you've got a family... You see it. You have, you have wider family, don't you? And they find out you become a Christian and they sneer and they mock at family gatherings. Even if it's not like that, you go home this afternoon and, and, and people have sat around the dinner tables this afternoon and sat around your dinner table might be, sat around a lot of dinner tables. There'll be people who love each other deeply but at the moment are eternally divided. You'll have Parents and kids who are going to heaven and parents and kids who are going to hell sat around the same dinner table because our view of Jesus divides people eternally. And Simeon tells Mary, he says, Mary, a soul's going to pierce your own heart. A sword's going to pierce your own heart. I'm sure that as Mary stood at the cross, she might have wondered what Simeon were on about, but as, as Mary stood at the cross and she watched Jesus die, I, I think Simeon's words would have come back to her mind. And when Simeon talks about the child being destined for the rise and fall of many, the word he uses for rise, it's the same word that's used in the New Testament to talk about Jesus' resurrection. The point is this, that not only will Jesus divide people's opinions, Jesus will divide people's eternity. Whether people accept or reject Jesus, one day they'll rise to eternal heaven or they'll fall to eternal hell. The rise and fall of many. And in that sense, Simeon says, one day the thoughts of every heart will be revealed. One day what people treasure, what people hope in, will be exposed. And I think out of all the songs, Simeon's song leaves us with a massive challenge. Simeon's song reminds us there's only two camps this morning. There isn't two camps and a sat on the fence. Sat on the fence is in the other camp. There's those who trust Jesus as the Saviour and those who don't. And you have to make your own mind up. You have to look at the Bible. You have to look at who Jesus was and what he did. And you have to make your mind up, where do I stand? Am I, am I 
saved? Am I right with God because I've trusted in Jesus? Or am I someone who needs saving? Is Jesus God in the flesh? Is Jesus the one to come to save us and, and who lived a perfect life for us and who died in our place on the cross? And am I prepared to, to trust my life to him? Did Jesus care about the poor and the mistreated or was he just a cruel bigot? Was Jesus the, the, the God's promised king or was he a liar because he claimed to be? Is the Bible true or is it just a collection of stories made up to control people? Where do we stand? Jesus is God's salvation. Jesus is God's only way to heaven. He's come to live, to die, to rise, so that everyone who turns to him, no matter what type of people they are, they'll be saved from God's wrath. They'll come into peace with God. They can die safely. They can go to heaven for all eternity. But this message divides. This message upsets people. This message winds people up. This message divides nations. It divides families. It divides marriage. It divides friends. Are you for Jesus or are you against him? We have humanity this morning don't we everyone in the world is split into two groups so it's a great leveler isn't it no matter whether you know we're not rich poor intelligent unintelligent healthy sick it's lost or saved which one are you this morning whether you're here or whether you're at home which one are you, are you lost or are you saved because if you are saved we can say this Lord, I'm not looking forward to death, but I'm ready to die. Because I know I'm right with you through Jesus. But the flip side of that, it's almost too terrible to think, isn't it? The flip side of that is you must get right with Jesus. You must consider his claims. You must make your mind up. You must look at him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as Simeon saw the Lord Jesus Christ, even as a baby, he understood by your spirit that this is the saviour of the world. He understood that this child, that the salvation that is available in Jesus is it's enough for all people. He saw that when you're right with God, you're ready to die. But he also saw that there'll be millions and billions of people who reject him and go to hell. And millions and billions who would trust him and go to heaven. And Father, what we ask this morning is the same spirit that revealed these things to Simeon would reveal them to us. Lord, I can't hammer this into people's minds. I wish I could. I pray for those who are not yours this morning that the same Holy Spirit that revealed all of this to Simeon would reveal it to them. The same Holy Spirit that revealed this to Simeon would reveal it to us as your children that, that would have assurance and peace. Bring this home to us by your Spirit, we pray, Lord. Amen. As we close, we're going to sing... Uh, a carol or a song that, that reminds us of who Jesus is all the way through his life. It's called From the Squalor of a Borrowed Stable.
Lord, now you are letting your servants depart in peace according to your word. For our eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Amen. Amen. 